Welcome to the Black Psychologist Podcast, where we have conversations and give insight into human behavior and promote mental health wellness. I'm Dr. Kyle Osborne, and with my co-host, Dr. Jason Coleman, we'll discuss health topics, everyday life issues, and try to give you a better understanding of yourself, other people, and the world around you. So just sit back, relax, and hopefully you'll leave with some information that'll have you living your best healthy life. Thanks for listening and enjoy the podcast. All right, and welcome back, world. It's the Black Psychologist Podcast. Appreciate everyone being here. You could be anywhere in the world, but you're here listening and watching with us tonight. We appreciate that. Episode 35, and I am one half and of one of your gracious and humble hosts, Dr. Kyle Osborne, he is I and I am him. And of course, you all know that I'm never, ever by myself. I'm here with the magnificent mind. He's the best at what he does. And he's the Ayatollah of rock and roller, Dr. Jason Coleman. How are you good, brother? I'm good, bro. Man, I'm I'm, I'm feeling good. I, I just got my booster shot, you know, so my arm is hurting, but I'm good, man. I'm here. What's okay. up with you? Cool, man. Cool. You know, um, yeah, it's uh, it's Monday. You know, we're getting into this this holiday week. Um, any plans for you, bro? Any uh, any any plans for for going into the holiday for Christmas? Um, listen, man. Just you know, of course, I got to wrap up the week. You know, a couple of things to do in terms of you know students in the hospital and stuff like that. Wrapping up the semester and all of that. But other than that, just after Wednesday, it's just gonna be with the family. You know. What about you? What you doing? Uh, chilling for the most part. I picked up baby girl yesterday um, from campus. So, you know, she's home. She's home hanging out. Um, just just destroying everything in her wake wherever she goes, you <laughs> know, running up my Pico bill, um, you know, but she, she's chilling, you know, getting some extra sleep in and, we, you know, just vibing. We catching up on some shows on like Ink Master and, you know, so it's cool. It's cool. It's, uh, it's good to have her back hanging around. That's what's up. Listen, man, I just started new shows, man. I just started that um some show. I know I'm late, but called The Witcher on uh on Netflix, man. Oh yeah, well, my man from um my man, my Superman, Henry, Henry uh Cavill, Cavill, right? That's his name. I don't know the name. Oh well, I need you to get better. Yeah, that's his name. That's the boy that played the uh played Superman a couple years All ago. I know is he got he got silver hair and a sword. Oh yeah, he gets busy. Yeah, yeah, he gets busy. He gets busy. Um, so, yeah, yeah, this is definitely the time of season, man. So self-care, um, continuing to catch up on some shows, things that help you relax. So we want to not only us, but we absolutely want to, um, you know, advertise that and encourage that for everybody, anybody watching. And uh, if you have the luxury of tuning in right now, we're actually live on uh, StreamYard. So if you do, if you are watching on um on our YouTube on our YouTube page, um if you can't let us know. I think you can comment and go into the chat if you can't hear us or you can't see us or anything. So you know, bear with us. You know, again, we're, this is something new. We're trying. We're expanding our horizons. So um, we appreciate anybody that does tune in and watch, and absolutely we appreciate our subscribers. We appreciate people watching and listening on all the different platforms. So continue to watch, subscribe, and um, continue to you know like and comment. We we appreciate the love. Definitely, um, 
you know, like always, we just want to thank anybody who, you know, takes the time out to listen. Um, we appreciate it. Um, and again, just want to always remind everybody to prioritize your mental health. Absolutely. So let's get into it, Jay. Um, so last week we didn't get a chance to get to this topic, uh, but I, uh, but we, you know, both felt like this was a pretty decent one that we wanted to get out there uh, to the people. All right. So a school um, has replaced detention with meditation and the results are stunning. All right. So imagine you're working at a school and one of the kids is starting to act up, you know, what do you do? So traditionally, Right. The answer would be to give the unruly kid. Right. Detention or suspension. But in my memory and if and if anybody and shout out to anyone that uh, that went to middle school with me um, at Ivy Leaf Middle School, you know, you know, I, and I was I was leading the league. Jay, listen, I was leading the league in, in uh, detention, bro. I was I was like uh, LeBron. What were you, what out there. Detention for, man? Uh, I was talking, man. I was telling jokes. You know, I was doing all kinds of things, bro. You're nothing non-violent, non non-aggression behavior issues, you know. But um, you know, I was leading the league, man. You know, I was listen, I was averaging like two or three per day. Oh man, you, you know, sometimes I would get a double double. I would get a detention from uh, from the English teacher and, and the math teacher. <laughs> I was, you know, right. listen. So uh I ain't get a lot of detentions, man. Ah, okay. You was one of them. Okay. I can't even yo, I can't even say that. Man. I ain't get a lot of detentions, man. Mama, listen, my mom's a teacher. She don't play mm-hmm. that. My mom was too, bro. Listen, you got to get to the phone call before they do. So that detention at home hit different, man. Yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> so, but I, I say that because uh, for the reason that in my memory of after school detentions, like it, it, I remember it. It just involved like you just staring at the wall, right? I remember you staring at the wall, um, being bored out of your mind, and like. For me, I was always trying to like talk to like some of my other classmates, all the other people that were also in detention and like without getting caught or I might be reading, maybe doing some homework. But I know like it if it was designed for me to like think about the my actions and the consequences, that didn't really work. Right. Because it just made me feel like everything was stupid. Like I'm just sitting in a room. We're not doing anything. Um, however, a school in uh, Nottingham City which is uh, in the UK, has been doing something different when students act out. They've been offering uh, meditation. So instead of punishing disruptive kids or sending them to the principal's office, they offer meditation. So what were your your thoughts as you were reading through this article? I mean, listen, what I kind of took out of this article was, um, again, right? Like we have decades and decades of like proof, whether it be in our own lives or, you know, otherwise we look at school, if we look at kind of the pe- um, a lot of people in this nation that are incarcerated, that we can't punish our way out of problems, right? So not saying that punishment isn't an appropriate solution at times, right? Um, but we've learned, we, we can look at a variety of different results and come to the conclusion that punishing people doesn't necessarily change their behavior or deter it, right? Um, so the good thing about I think about this is that they're offering them something other than punishment, right? They're teaching them skills, right? We're talking about emotional regulation. Um, we're talking about mindfulness. Um, we're talking about skills that will help these children, you know, and really deal with the root of the problem, which is most likely 
their inability, you know, to manage their feelings in some capacity, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, again, I think it's one of these things that should be offered in one way or another in every school, right? Um, because for every child, um, punishment is just not going to work, especially when you start talking about children that have a background of abuse and neglect, right? They've been, they've already, they know punishment too well. So giving them detention for, for 30 minutes not only does it not teach them anything, but it may be, I'm not going to say re-traumatizing them, but it, it may be causing them stress for no no reason when we know what the end goal is supposed to be, right? So, again, I, I got to applaud them for trying this technique because they're offering them something, right? They're teaching them skills. Yeah, I agree with every component that you mentioned. And I'm also just kind of thinking you know, just the, the physical aspect of things, right? Because again, I told you, I'm, I was a pro in after school detention. And, you know, I, I just think about, all right, as opposed to going into some place where you're in a room or a classroom with not many windows, um, you know, like you can actually encourage a kid to come into a, a room where they can go through different practices of like deep breathing, right? Or meditation, or like you're helping them calm down, right? You're helping them relax. You're helping them, you know, recenter, right? All these other different benefits of um, of meditation, right. and in that opportunity, you you can also have that conversation with them, right? After they, you know, you've been able to kind of deescalate the situation, you've been able to kind of, you know, reshift their focus. You know, you can actually talk to them. Or talk through what took place, right? What contributed to whatever the issue is. So it's an opportunity for you to also get answers, for you to also find out what's going on. Like you said, a lot of these kids are coming from situations where they maybe experienced some trauma. Like you don't know what that person or what that kid experienced before coming into school or earlier in the day that the teachers didn't catch or like the other staff didn't catch. So you don't you don't know. But I think this is an opportunity where you actually get in, you know to talk to that person one-on-one, like, and you can incorporate some holistic approaches, right? You can incorporate some things and the opportunity for you to be able to see what that kid is experiencing. Um, and I, and I think it's, you know, I think that's amazing. Like if you, you see young kids meditating, right. It's becoming more of the North. So imagine they can take this practice home. Right. So it's something that they can practice, not only here, they can practice it at home. They can practice it, you know, if when they, you know, in other different situations as they get older. Um, I think it's a great. I, I like the fact that, you know, you have some schools that are starting to incorporate this approach into, um, you know, how they're managing different issues that come up with with children, especially in the school atmosphere. And I mean, listen, any of us who, you know, either have children or dealt with children in any capacity know that, you know, the worst thing you want to do or the worst situation that you can find yourself in is if you punish a kid and God forbid they habituate to it. Right. And they don't care anymore. Right. Right. And you, and, and before you can even get it out their mouth, they're like, I, right, I'm on my way to the detention right now. It's 30 minutes. Right. And right. nothing at this point. Right. So that's why, you know, again, when I talk to parents, you know, when they run into challenges about punishment, right. I always say, you know, instead of taking things away, Give them something, right? Make them do something. Make them write something. Make them learn something. Make them go do something, volunteer somewhere, right? 
Don't yeah. instead of taking things away all the time, give them something. Whether it be skills, volunteer work, or something else, right? But it's just adding something to you know, um, you know, your toolbox. So it's a good article. Absolutely. I hope hope uh, more schools start to incorporate this into uh, you know their curriculum and their practice. All right. So speaking of behavior or inappropriate behavior that leads to suspension. Yeah, I got to get right. my tea, man. Go ahead. I got to get my tea. Go ahead. So a video has recently surfaced of a judge in Lafayette, Louisiana, at home watching surveillance video yelling racist language. All right. So we're talking about uh, Judge Michelle Odene. Um, I think I'm saying that correctly. Um, over the, the past few days, in this video, right, she and other people in her household are watching uh, surveillance footage on an, uh, of an outdoor altercation, right, with a burglary or burglar suspect who was, uh, I guess, uh, that was. You can't, uh, you can't see the people. You can't see her. You can't see the um, uh, her, the family members, or friends, or whoever was in there. But you can hear like what they're commenting on and what they're saying, and they're just casually using uh, racist language. So to kind of give you more of a. Uh, of a backstory and some more content. There were two vehicles that were burglarized in the driveway of her home. Um, and records show that uh, Odene and her husband and the family, uh, the suspect tried to flee on foot, but was caught by them. And, um, you know, the police came and they were able to apprehend them and, and so on and so forth. Right. So they were able to hold the victims down until, or they were able to hold the suspect down until officers arrived. So when you're watching the video, all right. You hear a male voice that can be overheard saying, oh, mom's yelling, you know, nigger, nigger, nigger. Right. And then what appears to be some other more jovial banter. Um, and then you can hear um, Michelle Odenay's voice over her saying, yeah, we have a nigger. It's a nigger like a roach while laughing. OK, so and this group, they just continue to have this conversation back and forth. Right. At one, one point laughing at the video, um, someone lost their wallet and then. Um, there's other person talking about, yeah, we should, you know, we should have stole the person's phone. He's a fucking asshole and go get the gun and so on and so forth. Right. This is the how the conversation is, is being played. Right. But Jay, so out of all of this, conveniently, she has an excuse. All right. You know what that excuse is? What is it? That she can't remember a thing. Right. Okay. She was given a sedative and she can't remember anything. All right. So she released a statement that said. My children and I were a victim of an armed burglary at our home. The police were called. The assailant was arrested. And the incident shook me to my core and my mental state was fragile. I was a wreck and I'm I'm unable to sleep. I was given a sedative at the time of the video. I have zero recollection of the video and the disturbing language used during it. How you like that one? All right. So. I mean, we're gonna, gonna say that. <laughs> so we're going to get this out the way, right? Let's do a quick psycho ed. All right. So like all medications, right? Any individual taking any type of sleep aid or sedative, uh, it can indeed incur side effects. Okay. So we're more talking about like headaches, dizziness, um, diarrhea, nausea, any type of like allergic reaction. Right. Now, in more rare cases, like maybe like one in four percent of uh sedative users have experienced have reported experiencing like odd behavior or like psychiatric side effects like hallucinations or like disorientation in no way is one of those side effects right you know it's not a side effect 
racism. Okay. <laughs> racism is not a side effect. All right. And even before we came on here, Jay, like I did a quick literature search on um on publicmed.gov just to like and to see if there are any like different sedative uh induced racism. Uh, zero results. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were about to say something serious, man. <laughs> zero zero results, bro. All right. So what's 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 your take on this, man? I mean, I'm not even gonna deal with the sedative part. You, you kind of put that to bed, you know. Um, nice try on their end, you know. Um, but see, this is the thing. So we're not naive, right? So we know that there's a lot of people in this country, you know, all over the world that have racist views, right? And we, racism and ignorance are all over the place, right? So the problem is not even that she's being racist and ignorant of the whole family, right, as a whole. The problem is the position that she's in, right? The problem is, as a judge, you know, we expect her to be impartial and unbiased in her views, right? Um, and unfortunately, when you're saying things like this in your home environment, and this is your, which we can, we, we could perceive as your normal home environment because it was recorded probably without you knowing, without you knowing it was being done, um, then these type of views, you know, affect how you make other decisions, right? Research has proven that. You can't compartmentalize racism and say, listen, we say the N-word at home and we call them roaches, right? But when I get to work, everybody gets a fair shot. And I don't work like that, you know? Um, and I think that's why you see, like, defendants in her cases filing, you know, um, for, for her to get recused, and I hope that happens, you know, um, because, you know, obviously she's been publicly shamed, but that's not enough, right? Because she's holding, you know, people's freedom, you know, um, in their livelihood, their records, criminal records in her hands, right? So this is the problem with, with, with people, when people like this are in these type of positions of power, you know, this is what kind of exacerbates people of color not trusting systems in general, right? When things like this hit the news. Um, you know, because if you've ever been in a courtroom, you're going to think about, did that happen to me? Right? And, and unfortunately, history tells us that it has happened before. You know, um, so again, um, the unfortunate part is that you know, when I'm when you do kind of a little bit of research below the surface, you know, how she's going to be reprimanded is to be determined. Right now she's on leave, you know, or something like that. But um, it's up to her to to resign. You know, so. Listen, the way people got to understand, like when they put people in positions of power, you know, it's not easy to get them out of it. Not easy to get them out of them, right? So, again, it's just another example of why you know certain people have a reason not to, you know, have trust in the system, right? Certain certain structures. Yeah, it's um, it's revealing. It's very revealing. Uh, I would like to sit up here and say that I'm I'm shocked, but I'm not. Unfortunately, um, I remember reading, I think, a Times article. Earlier in the year, there was like a Colorado judge that was also found or that it was revealed that was making uh, using racial slurs and racial racial language. Um, 
And now this is very revealing of racial um, prejudice. I mean, at a high representative level in our judicial system. Right. That's what this is. I mean, what chance does any African-American or any person of color have in her courtroom? I mean, I mean, I mean, we're talking zero chance. This is the, the, the core beliefs that she already inhabits. Right. Like, I don't believe that a person who has revealed this type of disposition um, should fulfill any type of office bearing power over any type of judiciary. Because, like you said, it, it speaks to impartiality. And that's the issue here. And see, right? and that's the thing. Right. And I and I get it. Because this is the type of situation that, you know, it makes it 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 it, it makes people emotional, right? Because um, it can impact a lot of people on a lot of levels. But the, the discussion moving forward about this is going to be about whether she can be impartial and unbiased, right? Saying those things, right? And my and 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 again, my stance is always going to be that you can't dehumanize somebody on Saturday and Sunday. And then give them a fair shot on Monday. It just doesn't work like that. Our brains, our minds just don't work like that. You can't turn racism on and off, right? Um, and this is a problem because when you call somebody N-word or roaches and, and that's how you look at them, that, like that's, that's how you view them, um, whether they committed a crime or not, right? Because these are, the, these are the people who are wearing the black robes, correct? Right? That's right. So, in, so when we talk about innocent until proven guilty, of course she has the right to be a person and she doesn't have to be happy about somebody vandalizing her property, right? Or trying to burglarize her property. But there's a long way between that, you know what I mean, and what we saw, right? Um, so again, I, I would stand by, you know, um, you can't, you know, dehumanize somebody on the weekend and then give them a, expect us to believe that you're giving them a fair shot um, during the week, right? These are people's uncles, fathers, sons, and daughters. I don't think they want to take that chance. I wouldn't. No, not going into a courtroom where you've already lost before you even go in. Yeah, that's what it seemed like. Right. So um, I do want to point out, and I'm happy that um, somebody in the room, I'm not sure what contributed to the recording, but it had to be someone that was in the room was... Uh, at some point in time, I, I imagine it's getting tired of it, of uh, kind of this language, because, again, this seems like this is the norm. So and they they felt very comfortable. Like I said, it was just said very casually in a lot of the comments that were made. And whoever was recording it was also had to be someone that's within the circle. But maybe that person, I don't know what contributed to them, what prompted them to, you know, record the conversation that was taking place. But that took place from inside the home, you know, and it has to come out who who has released it, but I'm happy that they did. Yeah, you know, man, and interesting. That's an interesting story, man. It's developing, you know, so. And the fallout has continued because, like I said, she's on unpaid administrative leave. Her son, uh, her son, her son is, um, plays for, uh, LSU. He runs track for them. Not anymore. Uh, he's off the team, right? He's off the team. Was, was right? he on the video? Yeah, he was on the video. She she references him when she says Eli. So as you listen oh, to the man. video, they're they're kind of the banter back and forth, and then she mentions Eli. Oh, so right? that uh, the 
those and he was the one yelling and, and like making jokes also. So I guess those comments didn't rest too well with his teammates, huh? Nah, nah. They told they. I guess they told him don't come back. Huh? Yeah, they, they're not in favor of that, you know. And it's funny, like so toward the end of the video, there's like a, another female voice that says, uh, "I'm not sure if it was her or not," but she says, "Good thing we have this video, right? That they joke about." Because there was like a dog that came onto the scene to play fetch. And like they said, oh, yeah, it's a good thing we have this video. That's ironic. Yes, it is. Yeah, it's very good. Very good. <laughs> good thing you got this video. Absolutely. Same so thing, like you huh? said, we'll continue to watch and continue to, um, you know, watch the fallout of this. Yeah, no All right. So, Jay, we just talked about the holidays. We just talked about, um, you know, what, what our plans are, you know, going forward into the holidays. And um, like we talked about. In previous podcast episodes, um, you know, this is going to be a time of season when people are going to be getting together, right? People are going to be, you know, hopefully in a safe um, and, um, you know, healthy manner, especially given, you know, this recent spike in, in rates. Um, but, you know, what comes along with when people get together and when people, you know, hang out and they commune is um, food, right? Mm-hmm. There's always food involved. And unfortunately, what takes place also when food is are those um, those unnecessary comments, you know, uh, and whether they're intentional or they're malicious. A lot of comments, can, you know, tends to be made around food, about people's weight, around to individuals. And what that comes down to is weight stigma. Right. Or fat shaming, whatever, you know, um, you know, term people want to use. Um, and that comes in many forms, right? And it comes from many different sources. It comes, it's prevalent in media and entertainment. It's uh, at school, it's at work. Um, it's even in healthcare, right? Where you have like providers that will weight shame or fat shame patients in the name of health. And so, like I said, sometimes as people get together and they gather, you know, they may make different little you know, statements about getting ready to get another plate of food or getting food and all these other different things. Mm-hmm. And so a new uh, small study that was recently presented at the um, American Heart Association conference found that women are more likely than men to say that they feel stigmatized about their abdominal fat, no matter what their actual weight is that they internalize weight stigma that was linked to additional weight gain. Right. What were your thoughts about this as you were kind of reading through this article? Uh, I mean, I don't. Re- admittedly, like, I don't really know too much about this subject, you know. You know, um, but just read in terms of reading the article, um, it made me kind of think about some of the stuff that we kind of learned about in school in terms of patients, you know, not wanting to go back to providers, and it, you know, affecting retention rates in terms of how kind of how to, how that's dealt with, you know, within the visit, right? Um, and it kind of touches on what you're saying in terms of this article was talking about when patients, some patients or people have these type of comments made towards them, they like less likely to seek care, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so again, obviously, you know, it doesn't take, you know, it's not rocket science. Obviously, the conclusion is it's not a good thing to make these comments to people, um, but I think on a more like practical level and a personal level, it comes down to like sometimes people offer you information, right? Because they think you need to know, right? And and whether or not it hurts you or not, or how it impacts the person is kind of 
not the thing people first uh, think about, right? So that's what I kind of got from this article is that when you look at the impact of like what fat shaming can do when it results in like stress eating, and we talk about like depression, anxiety, and that type of cycle. Um, listen, it's really about all the research and people who have made it on that journey will tell you that, you know, like promoting a healthy lifestyle, helping them, supporting them, you know, um, is more effective, right? Um, so again, I think a lot of times, you know, some things come down to people offering information because they think somebody needs to know, you know, without considering the impact of that information on the person, right? Um, you know, what did you, what did you think when you read it though? Um, right along those lines. And then I also went into like the, the self stigma that we have around food, you know, especially like around holidays, um, I think also it's contributed that self stigma that we develop is due to, like you said, some of the unpleasant interactions that people have with their right. physician um, when they just kind of tell them, oh, well, your BMI is this. Right. Or you need to lose weight because of this X, Y and Z in the name of health. Um, and that takes a toll. Like, again, it's that internalized shame that people tend to experience. And, um, you know, we moralize food. Right. We tend to, you know, it when you think about food in certain aspects, um, we tend to like trigger it can trigger or activate all different types of dangerous thoughts and behaviors. So when you see food as opposed to just being able to, you know, oh, well, you know, I want to enjoy this pie. Right. I want to enjoy this meal. We tend to start thinking about, oh, well, if I do that, I'm going to pay for it later. Right. Or some people start to have all these other different thoughts and ideas about food. And then that could totally, one, wreck the whole occasion. Or, you know, it kind of presents like a, a damaging mindset. So, you know, it, and food doesn't need to be an emotional experience. You know, it should be a situation where you're actually just able to allow to have it and actually just enjoy that experience. But like some of the things that you said, the shaming and some of those conversations that people have or some of the, the, the comments that are made can do a lot of damage. Right. And it's right. The result of sometimes the toxic messaging they have gotten from other people, messaging from social media or TV, um, a lot of different things kind of contribute to that. Well, I'm going to say this and it might be hopefully it's not controversial, but this is the thing. I do understand the other side of it. Right. And that's why most of my comments was focused on like other people offering you information because mm. they feel like you need to know. Right. But some things you just can't avoid. Like if, if you're pre-diabetic or you got diabetes or, you know, it's your doctor's job to talk to you about your diet. Right. And sometimes we got to be honest. Sometimes your doctor is going to be the only person that's holding you accountable. Right. Mm. Um, so, again, I do know that there's a way, you know, that we have to deliver a message. Right. Um, but <clears throat> there's a certain part of it that's just a part of, you know, health. If you go to your doctor, you want good care. Right. So part of getting good care is sometimes going to be telling somebody information that they might not want to hear. You know, so I'm always going to be a fan of how the message is packaged and how and how that's important. Um, but again, you know, I'm also conscious of us and what we do. Like we're dealing with mental health, you know, um, 
And in terms of your, you know, a medical doctor that's that's trying to keep somebody from having diabetes or or trying to keep somebody from losing a leg and you, you know or losing a foot, um, you know, sometimes those conversations have to be um, frank and they have to be straightforward. That's true. That's true. Um, think balance. Balance is something that, uh, like you said, I, I hope that providers can still deliver that information or can deliver that that uh, that message at the same time is doing it in, in a somewhat, like you said, comforting manner. Um, you know, it should be a situation or ideally you want, you know, whether it's one of our clients or it's a family member um, or a friend that, you know, when the holiday comes around, you can still enjoy the food while also prioritizing like nutrition. Right. So it's a situation where you can have the best of both worlds. Doesn't necessarily mean like you only have to eat rich or, you know, stick to the veg veggie tray. Um, and at the same time, you know, you don't also want somebody, somebody you care about, or whether it be a client, making themselves sick, just trying to like preemptively worry about food that they, they're not going to be able to enjoy or a situation where it wrecks their whole, you know, experience of being around family and being able to eat, you know, so. Um, and it's tough, you know, it's a really, it's a tough, you know, balancing act. Like someone just mentioned in, in the chat, you know, that a significant percentage of our community is, you know, unfortunately overweight and, you know, and obese. And, uh, you know, so it's a big difference. Like you said, so is fat shaming or is it someone trying to help one person practice healthier habits? You know, it's a situation I think like Jay mentioned, um, appreciate the comment is that uh, it's the way you deliver that message, right? We all care for our loved ones. We don't want, especially if someone is experiencing diabetes or you're, you know, you're really being conscious of their, um, of their eating habits. Um, there's a way you can relay that message. You know, it's a situation where you don't necessarily have to be condescending. You don't have to be, you know, shame them. You don't have to make them feel bad about, you know, possibly going after an extra slice of something. Um, I think a lot of times it's just coming from a place of concern, the message will be received better. Usually, and you know, in our experiences, it's like you're sharing how concerned you are with somebody. Um, then it's a lot. That message will be well more received than just kind of like just shaming them and telling them, you know, don't eat this because X, Y, Z. You throw the weight in there, you know, because it can come off condescending, can come off, and you know, and in, in a real negative manner. But that's a good question. I'm glad to have the person mentioned that. Yeah, man. It's listen. That's why I mentioned that, because as a provider, it's not going to be an easy conversation. Sometimes that's why I told you, like, my focus is more so outside people, family members, peers, you know, all of those people. Um, because as a provider, listen, you're going to want you got to provide the person good care. Right. So, you know, yeah, it's tough. You package the message is important, but sometimes you can't control it. Sometimes we got to give people bad news, you know. That's true. It's, all right. So to even more concerning news, um, I'm actually reluctant to share that uh, this article that came across, but it's an important article um, that people that are wishing to own, I mean, to end their own lives in Switzerland could soon have access to a, a new message. All right. So it's this new 3D printing cop pod capsule contraption. Um that the creator of this contraption says that can be a painlessly end manner or way that someone can end their own life in a matter of minutes. It's called the, the sarcopod. Okay. And 
real life participant trials are set to begin in early 2022. All right. So early next year. So the, the capsules creator, Philip, it's, I, I can't pronounce his last name, but um, his nickname, get this, Jay, it's called Dr. Def. All right. That, that's his nickname. Cause he's been I'm an advocate. Surprised. Yeah. He's been an advocate since like the, the mid nineties of um, assisted suicide, which is legal over there in uh, Switzerland. Right. Like, and I want to say I was reading up um, some more information that they've had some 1,200 uh, deaths by assisted, uh, assisted suicide um, in the year 2020 alone. About 1,200. Oh, okay. it's, it's a pretty high number. Okay. All right. So through this sarcopod, as he calls it, um, he told the Washington Post, the creator said that... Um, the he, a legal analyst had commissioned, which is by his nonprofit, concluded that the pod will not violate any type of, uh, of Switzerland's suicide assisted suicide laws. And the way that it works is that from inside, right, you can actually push a button, and the machine can be, you know, it fills up with nitrogen nitrogen gas, and it rapidly lowers the oxygen levels, causing the user to fall unconscious within a minute. And it said the person doesn't suffocate or experience any type of distress, uh, but rather dies of oxygen um, and uh, they just fall asleep. Right. So you deprive them of oxygen and they fall asleep. Uh, Jay, this was um, this is a pretty bizarre and concerning article to get through, bro. What, what was your what was your take as you were reading through? I mean, it's yeah, kind of like Dr. like like the the guy just uh, somebody just wrote into the chat. Yeah, it's just kinda, like that. Okay, it's kind of disgusting. Yeah, right. Um, listen, what's more, not even more, but what's even more off putting is you know I sent you the article and you see the picture of it is the glamorization, right? When you look at the pod, it it actually looks like a Tesla. Right. Or like a or like a little Mini Cooper or some futuristic type of vessel that you would be intrigued by. Right. Mm-hmm. Like you could picture somebody putting, you know, um, I, I don't know, painting the outside of theirs or, or, or whatever. Listen, he, is, Jay, listen. Right. I saw on another article because I was researching him. He was showing this to other people that like people were getting inside the, the capsule. Like right. he was like showcasing and people are like trying out like like it's a new car. Right. So that's the thing. Right. Um, And how they branded it, like they're calling it like an elegant way to die. Right. So I think this is the problem. Right. Because they're glamorizing the act. Right. Um, Even if you were in support of saying, listen, the technique might help people that were suffering. Right. This is not that. Right. Um, And the proof is in some of the things they were saying, right? Like the capsule can be towed to a place of the person's choosing. So you got, you, so you could have situations where, you know, somebody calls an Uber or something, and they're like, yeah, tow me to the beach and I'm going to get in the capsule. And, you know, not to make light of it, but this is, this is, this is where we're heading. This is the type of slippery slope that you have when you're promoting stuff like this. Right. Um, the picture of it looks, it looks crazy. Off-putting, is an understatement. Yeah, it's like he was romanticizing suicide, right. and and right. just the whole the whole term or phrase that he said 
stylish and an elegant way to die. That's like an oxymoron, right? Like I don't like you have to. There were there were so many thoughts. Just I was just trying to kind of process that statement. And he said this method is only restricted to people uh, who are over fifty, who are of sound mind, or seriously ill. Right. Okay. And the way he's selling it, like you said, like it's a like it's a, a new car, like it's a new concept car, where it's like, hey, you too, take you know, can die in one of my pods. I mean, listen, and think about it in context, right? Like they're going, they're going to start with this next year, right? So think about what a large part of the world has been going through in the last two years, right? We're talking about a pandemic. We're talking about worldwide, you know, people having problems in terms of employment, right? Losing jobs. Some people having problems in terms of homes, um, losing family members, those things. So when we talk about a situation that can make a group of people or individuals vulnerable to making impulsive choices, this is it, right? Um, so you talk about the perfect storm of like kind of catastrophe, um, this is it, right? Um, there are, it doesn't matter that, 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 we're, that we're doing relatively okay. You know, we remained employed, you know, God willing, you know, and all those things. There's some people who COVID-19 are going to be digging out from the damage from this for years, right? There's some people that lost a job and didn't get another one. There's some people that lost a caregiver, a family member, or who have some signal and don't know what they're going to do. You know, so um, for you to be glamorizing it is kind of, um, it's dangerous. Yeah, it's, you know, it's and, and, and kind of, the, I think what, what, what made me most disgusted was the lighthearted manner in which he kind of talked about his customers, which some people would, might say would be his victims. Okay. It was very, very cavalier, very matter of fact. Like, I'm just going to, you know, put this information. Um, something else that concerns me is that he plans on making the blueprints available so anyone can download the design. Right. So, you know, and it's available for like free, like online. So he's like, I am um, like you can go and print the instructions online about the, the combination of the nitrogen and the, and the oxygen deprivation. Um, and for me, that's dangerous and irresponsible for the and for the reason that it could also lead to that to, to suicide contagion. Right. You could have a whole phenomenon that are people that are hearing about this particular manner in which to end your life. And then you'll have people trying to duplicate it. Right. You'll have people trying to, you know, oh, I want, I can, you know, since he's, he's just glamorizing it and he's advertising it, like again, like it's a car, right? This is what draws people in, unfortunately. And, you know, I mean, he's he's been doing this for years, unfortunately. Like he's he's had time, he has a nonprofit, he has all these other different resources that, you know, of all these different these methods. And you know he's getting to a point. I mean, you you should have seen the, the like the looks, like the visual <laughs> aspect of things. When I was looking at some of the photos for people that were trying to get in and out of this pile, like they were sitting in it, and you know it was it was it was uh it was mind blowing. Um, yeah. yeah. You know. So 
Um, I well, in reading some more, there, there it seems like Switzerland is kind of back and forth with this. I don't believe that, even though they're going to start trying, um, attempting the trials next year, there are some other different roadblocks and some other different approvals he has to go through. So, um, we'll see. You know, we'll continue to monitor this, but this is uh, it's potentially very dangerous, and, and you know, it's, it's being, you know, I believe advertised in a very irresponsible manner because, like you said, they're, they're not customers; these are individuals. Yeah, right? I mean, no matter what kind of side you kind of fall in on, you know, the 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 argument as far as whether you're pro, you know, assisted suicide, or you're, you know, you're on the other side of the aisle, it's still a situation where this is dangerous. Right. Even the safety, you know, component is dangerous. If you're going to put someone inside of a capsule and have them press a button, there are so many, there's a whole multitude of things that could go wrong. Right. Right. So, I mean, listen, I, I, I would but say I'm different. Like I'm only willing to even have that conversation about that when we're talking about like a hospital kind of setting, right? Somebody who has a chronic terminal illness, and, and they're making the decision whether they want to suffer six months or six days or six hours, right? But this is not, that's very different than selling suicide for commercial purposes. Excuse me if I'm using the word incorrectly. You understand what I'm saying? Like selling suicide like you're selling donuts. Like that's different to anybody over right. 50. You know, so again, if we're not talking about somebody who's making a decision between do I want to live with this chronic illness for six months, six days? Not because somebody is sane and over 50 and has $50,000 to buy the capsule. They can get it towed to the beach and kill themselves on Jersey Shore. Like, like, like some people would buy a Coca-Cola. That's the difference, you know. Um, but it's disgusting, but we're going to have to, I'm sure it won't be the last time we're hearing about it. Yeah, we'll we'll continue to monitor it. I, I hope Switzerland uh continues to to fight. And you know, we'll see what happens. All right. All right, Jay. Ending off on a good note, okay? Are you familiar with BTS? No. Okay. I'm surprised, shocked, and disappointed most of them first. Okay. okay? All right. I just Are said you? that you were the rock and roller, the Ayatollah and all that. <laughs> and I thought I thought that representation, you know, I thought that uh the reputation was was gonna. I, I don't well, know. Well, I mean, because of the article, you know, that's all. But not before the article. All right, so you're missing out, Jay. So it's safe to say that you're not a part of the BTS army. All right, so, all right, so you you've never heard of the uh, the song on the commercial, the huh uh uh I'm dynamite. That's not you. You don't know that. No. I mean, uh, it doesn't. Uh, uh, in the stars tonight. No, you're not familiar with that. It's not ringing a bell, but All right. I'm, sure, okay. I'm sure as soon as we're done, I'm going to turn on my television and hear it. It's on the Samsung commercial. I'm going to, don't worry, I'm going to forward you the song and the album. Don't worry about it. I got you. I don't want you to be no. left out. All right. So for those yeah, that are so like BTS, Jay. BTS is on your rotation at the gym? All day. Okay. I get I get pumped to it, bro. Listen. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm kicking them, pumping iron to it. Seriously. <laughs> I'm not All right, so, <laughs> so for those people that aren't uh familiar with bts uh they are a uh korean pop group k-pop um and they they're they're breakout man they are a, a global phenomenon these past couple years with chart chart topping hits and 
um, albums and Grammy nominations, you know, you you name it, right? Uh, and so you're they're recognizable with a couple of their, their pop songs, um, Dynamite, um, also uh, Butter, um, and like they're they're in those commercials. They have like the candy colored outfits and like the hairdos, and um, they have these like these dance routines. All right, so. What's uh, important, or we bring that up, is that researchers are starting to take notice that uh, in this era of rising like youth suicide rates and with a mental health crisis that's been amplified by like the stressors of the pandemic and social media, um, the BTS, their band, uh, their message of positive self-acceptance has actually been able to uh, resonate amidst all of the adversity that I just mentioned. And so uh, research has shown that the BTS can actually support young people's mental health. All right. Now, Jay, I got to be honest with you. Okay. Um, I thought that these, these kids, I thought the band members, cause it's seven of them and I'm not going to even going to attempt to try to pronounce any of their names because I'll just mm -hmm. screw it up and I'll get in trouble for it. So I'm not even going to go down that road, but it's seven of them. Uh, and listen, I have to be honest, I thought they were all like in their late teens. It turns out they're like in their mid to late 20s, bro. All of them. So, oh, so they're grown-ups. Oh, yeah, they're full-fledged adults. Okay. Yeah. So I thought, I mean, they, they're very youthful looking, which is which is cool. I guess that that yeah, you know, youthful. I guess that that they have that to their advantage. All right. But yeah, some of the music. I seen them. I'm about to pull up a picture of them right now. Pull them up. Listen, I guarantee you, if you play the song, you've heard Dynamite. There's no way you haven't heard it. It's ka ah It starts tonight. Listen, so, all due respect, I don't need to hear that again. All right. <laughs> well, listen. <laughs> I don't all right, need to so hear that again. A couple different things. I'm I'm telling you, when you when you pull it up. And everybody out there listening, you've heard BTS. You've heard the music. You've heard the jingle. You've seen the commercial. They're dancing. Oh, they do look young. They do, don't they? Right? Yeah, it, they look like teeny boppers. Like, like, I mean, like 14, 16, 17. Listen, they're in their mid to late 20s. And somebody just uh, wrote in the chat, what does BTS stand for? I don't know. Okay. Somebody has some work done. I'm gonna have I'm gonna have to find out. All right. So I haven't, I guess that there goes my um it's called um Bangtan got... Boys. Who? Bangtan, Bangtan Boys. Okay, that's, there that's you BTS, go. Yes, Bangtan BT... Boys. All right, cool. There, there you go. You know, I learned something new every day. See, you're about to join the army already. All right. So some oh, of the things they, that... their names are not hard to pronounce. Jen, Sugar, J-Hope, R-M, Jimin, V, and Jungkook. That's not hard, man. My and you the one, you the fan. My fault. You the one, you the one with the t-shirt. <laughs> My fault. The t-shirt and the, uh, you know, the visors. You're going to see the shirt, the t-shirt and the, um. you're going to see it next week. Watch. <laughs> you're going to see it next episode. That might be our new intro music. I don't no, know. No. <laughs> no, I don't think All right. That. So some of the things oh, maybe, um, maybe. that the researchers mentioned uh, have talked about, it's a fresh perspective, right? So I'm going to go, I'm going to quickly run through some of the, the, um, the uh, positive attributes that have been helping um, contribute to or the positive mental health that the band has been able to present. So they have a fresh perspective. Okay. Um, you know, they, they're uh, from South Korea 
And like for the last decade or so, like K-pop has really become like a a culture juggernaut, man. Like they have like K-pop has really started to take over and like similar bands. And, you know, they through their music, they've offered like this innate like type of sense of hope. And like possibility to folks that kind of feel stagnant, like because it's it's new. Like I know a lot of us are familiar with like NSYNC, and I think who was it? A, like years, a few years ago, it was like One Direction. You know how like every six, seven years, like a new kind of boy band that pops up or that emerges. So yeah. this is this uh, this is BTS. This is their time now. All right. So, um, but yeah, they're a fresh perspective, um, and a lot of the music is you know it's very very positive, right? They have an upbeat message, right? That's the next one. So even though it sounds like fizzy and kind of like, you know, pop cornish, um, and that's usually been more reserved for like their crossover songs like um, like Dynamite and like Butter. Um, a lot of their lyrics are really heartfelt in regards to uh, talking about like some of the insecurities that plague like a lot of youth. Right. So a lot of them, some of their messages they've talked about, like um, I forgot What's his name? Uh, one of the band members, Sugar, the one you just mentioned. All right. Sugar has actually come <laughs> out and, uh, <laughs> and talked about. He's talked about his struggles with mental health, like with mental illness. Um, and they, there was like a United Nations assembly um, a couple years ago where they gave a moving speech encouraging like self-esteem and human connection. Um, and giving out like hope to, to youth everywhere. So, um, so yeah, you know, overall, like they've, in addition to, you know, the music, like they've had like a really positive effect on people. Like they're very diverse among the band group. Right. Um, like some of them are more kind of urban, you know, and some of the others are more like, um, androgynous and, you know, they're really, um, you know, really carefree in regards to the way they present themselves. So, you know, and that contributes to like they're all separate, but they're also very inclusive. So, um, so yeah, so that that's BTS, man. Like, I think you should uh, you should check it out. Okay, um, I think it'll bro, have a, profound, a good effect on you, bro. I'm gonna check it out next time I'm on the treadmill, man. You know, I guarantee you do an extra mile. I guarantee you're gonna do an extra mile. Guarantee it. I mean, but listen, just in general, you know, I could understand why, you know, the music would resonate with a lot of, especially like younger, younger emerging adults, that kind of age group. Um, anything that kind of talks about self-acceptance, you know, individuality, those type of things. Um, this generation is, is very, has been very vocal about, you know, self-care, mental health, those things. Um, so it's not surprising, right? Um, so... We should just all only thing I would really say is we should get used to more of kind of this positive message, kind of you know, gaining some footing, uh, footing. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if you know, young people put more support behind groups, you know, like this. So, yeah, absolutely. And uh, oh, yeah, they also because you know, they're worth like a hundred million, right? That's like their net worth. They also contributed, I think, one or two million to um, the Black Lives Matter movement uh, last year. So, you know, they've been supportive of a lot of different causes. Um, and, you know, like all jokes aside, um, I've heard nothing but positive things about um, this group just and just kind of reading up on them. And, you know, it's good. Like, it's good to have some of these like just feel good music. And when you have members that 
um, like are, are still very young that resonate um, and a lot of youth can identify with. And, you know, they're unapologetic with, you know, their message that they they promote. It's good. You know, it's it's positive. And like you said, this is a difficult time for a lot of different reasons, especially because of the pandemic, but also in addition to other stressors that a lot of people and a lot of uh, kids are are experiencing. So, you know, if they're able to put on this music and it, it instantly gets you out of a, uh, a bad mood, you know, I mean, I think that's helpful. Like this is, um, you know, what this reminds me of when you hear their song, right? It's like one of those songs that like, you kind of can't help it. Like it's very catchy. It's kind of like, um, you know, Soldier Boys cranked that, right? So you know how when that first came out, and it was like, ah, you know, this isn't real hip hop. It's not real rap music. But you still found yourself singing the song, mm-hmm. right? And you know, you know, Soldier Boy telling me, you know, crank that, you know, the, you know the dance move, right? That's how that's how you feel about it. That's what I'm. I I think it's similar to that, man. I think you you know what I'm talking about when you hear the hear song. It. When you when you look it up, I'm telling you, feeling. I gotta hear it though. When you hear, it, you're gonna be like, oh, that one. And when once you listen to the whole song, it's a catchy tune, and like you know, you start you start shimmying your shoulders, like you don't you don't even know that you're doing it, but you just you know like okay, ah, 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 dynamite, you know. Anyway, um, yeah, so we appreciate everybody uh, tuning in. Uh, we wouldn't want to wish everybody a happy holiday, um, a safe holiday. I mean, a holiday. Um, Continue. We encourage self-care. If you are going to be gathering with your loved ones, absolutely. Please do it in a health and safe, um, safe manner. Uh, we appreciate everybody. This is the first time that we did it live um, via StreamYard. So we appreciate everybody's comments in the chat um, and, and listening and watching and commenting. Uh, continue to subscribe. Continue to watch. Continue to listen. We love your feedback. We love all your questions. And um, Jay, anything else before we get out of here? Um, just as usual, you know, of course, we're thankful that anybody takes time out of their day to, you know, listen. Um, so thank you. Um, please continue to like, share the videos. Um, we're going to stay bringing the content. And as always, you know, just make sure prioritize your mental health. Absolutely. So um, happy holidays to everybody and um, wishing everybody good mental health. All right. And we will see and talk to everyone next episode. All right, Jack.